shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, hey, David Thomas. Hey, Sissy Goff. I'm so excited to circle back. I always feel bad when we talk about who kids are and we don't respond with what they need because we're kind of leaving people hanging a little. We did leave them hanging, but I'm hoping everybody came back this week because we're going to move toward what they need. But first, let's tell some fun stories about stage one kids. Do you have a good one? I think I might because one of my favorite stage one kids in my lifetime is this amazing little sister of mine who is now a rock star entrepreneur and mom and all these things. But you all likely know if you have ever heard us talk about anything, I talk about Kathleen so much, 16 years younger than I am. And so when she was born, I've told this story on here a million times, but if you're new to the podcast, just so you understand, when she was born, my when my mom said to me, we're pregnant. My first response was, I didn't know you all still did that to my parents. <laughs> because, you know, when you're 16, all the things we're going to talk about when we get to that stage of life. And so just to give you a little perspective on Kathleen at that time, she was like the mascot of my group of friends. She went everywhere with us. My parents were 43 when she was born. And so their peers back in the 80s weren't really having kids of their own. And so she just was literally the delight of everyone that she was around. She had these these beautiful blonde ringlets. She just couldn't have been any cuter. And I remember one of my favorite stories about Kathleen, when she was just about to come out of stage one in her discovery years, my mom was out running errands in our neighborhood, the Heights in Little Rock, Arkansas, and took her to the Heights jewelry store and set her up on the counter 
And this woman walked over to Kathleen who worked there and she said, well, you are precious. What is your name? And she said, I I forgot to say she had a really great lisp. She said, well, my real name is Kathleen, but most people call me sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. Sweetheart. So much. And she was. And we're going to talk about that in a girl's life, the importance of those things. Sweetheart. I also, by the way, loved when she said my name back then because I was thithy. It was really fun. <laughs> she was and she is. She's still That's a sweetheart. She, she, she is something is. amazing, that Kathleen. I know. Okay, tell me about you. What about the boys or Lily? Well, the hearing you tell the sweetheart story makes me think of a story, too. When the boys, when my twin boys moved into toddler beds, my wife and I would go in to do a little nighttime ritual and we would kind of swap out. One of us would sit near one of their beds and we would, you know, read stories, do prayers, all the things. And then we would swap and have time with the other. And I will never forget one night we were in their room. And moms, this is such a great reminder of your relationship with him, which we're going to talk more about in in stage two. But I think stage one and stage two boys moms are like the center of their universe Mm -hmm. and they just love them so much. And they were kind of moving into that altered state of sleep from being awake. And one of my sons, Baker was looking at my wife while she was talking to him and saying good night. And he was rubbing her hair and he just looked at her. He said, I love you, sweetie. (laughs) And he'd never (laughs) called her sweetie before. He always called her mommy, but I think he was like so drunk on love in that moment. And <laughs> that authored statement, he was like, I love you, sweetie. I'm going to marry you one day, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and when we Baker. got downstairs later, I said, oh, sweet. I looked at my wife and said, oh, sweetie, it's going to break his heart one day to find out you're already taken. I love oh, kids so in stage good. one and the things yes, they say. Those stories are such pictures of it. And it's yes, just so fun are. that we're circling back to talk about them more this week and what they need. And you all heard me say last week, this is boys between birth and four. I call this young man the explorer. And I want to talk about two things that he needs in response to our conversation last week about who he is. And you well, may feel, remember. Feel free to say more than two because I'm here for it. All right. Well, you may remember I began the conversation as I do talking about how active he is, that he is this active and moving creature. And so the first thing I would say we want to give him is open space, room to move, room to be the active moving creature that he is. And, you know, when I think about those two boys, um, my wife, sweetie, and I used to laugh that when we would fly on an airplane to go see her parents in Florida, before we ever boarded the plane, my catchphrase was, we're not ready to board unless we are all sweaty. That was my catchphrase, (laughs) which simply meant if we hadn't done enough running around in the airport, we were not going to have a good flight because they'd have all this pent up energy. And so so we had races in the airport. We would find any unoccupied area and we would have races and we created scavenger hunts. And, you know, I often will say, I think boys in this space are like puppies, like they need to run and get their energy out or they get kind of destructive as puppies will do if they haven't had enough exercise. And so I want you to think about that in the everyday. I want you to even think about that in unique moments like, Sissy, you know, you and I do a lot of 
consultations with parents of kids in this space developmentally. We do these with parents all over the country where they will call in or we do Zooms. And I so commonly come together with parents where they will be telling me a story about a, a challenging moment with a stage one boy. And I've heard this, a version of this a thousand times, you know, like, okay, well, for example, we went to a restaurant the other night and I packed a lot of toys in case we had to wait a while to get a table. And we did. And then by the time we got to the table, it took a long time to get the food and we had played everything I'd brought in the bag. And so he was crawling underneath the booth and I kept saying, get up, get up. It's filthy. And then he was crawling over the booth and then he fell into the people behind us in the booth. And then my husband and I were arguing and I'll say, okay, time out right there. Let me just throw out this recommendation. Maybe think about doing dinner out with an explorer differently. Like if you want to have a great dinner out with an explorer, maybe don't go to a nice restaurant where he's got to sit for a long period of time, but maybe consider going to Subway or Jersey Mike's and grab some sandwiches and then go to a park because then he can run and climb and jump and he doesn't have to just sit through someone saying, stop, no, don't, quit, which I think are words that boys hear so much throughout their development. And so, and and many times I think that's because we as the adults who love them haven't thought through the environment well. We haven't thought through maybe what's the best way for this to go. In fact, every holiday season, I will hear parents you know, tell stories of going to visit their in-laws and maybe their mom or mother-in-law has the expectation that they could sit at the Thanksgiving table for an hour and a half while we all share about our gratitude over the course of the year in a buttoned up shirt or blazer. And that's just not going to go down well for an explorer. And so how could we rethink all of those rituals? How could we even call ahead on those family visits and say things like, hey, mom, Will you put up those beautiful crystal bowls that you love so much? Put them up really high so they're not on your coffee table. And I don't have to spend the visit saying, stop running. Don't touch that. Don't climb on that over and over. And the environment is more friendly to this active moving creature. So first thing is open space. Second thing is consistency. You heard me say last week when I talked about the three strikes, he can't regulate as well as his female counterparts. That's harder for him. And so boundaries, we talk so often about this on this podcast, boundaries create security for kids. For toddler age boys, they also create a lot of safety. And so he's going to push more against the boundaries more likely than she will. And so he needs the consistency of the boundaries and the expectations over and over. In fact, I talk a lot about the three C's when it comes to stage one boys. We always want to be clear, concrete, and concise. Anytime we're giving instructions or expectations, let me say those again, clear, concrete, and concise, because he can get lost in all that language, lost in all that verbiage, lost in all those instructions. We as males are more singularly focused creatures. And so we tend to give a lot of instructions with several things to do when he can really focus well on one. And so I want you to be thinking a lot about that in his routines, in our conversations, in the boundaries, in the instructions, all the things. In fact, I want to challenge you to consider using what I call a full sensory approach. Anytime you're engaging, not just a stage one boy, but 
this could be true for your adult husband as well. I don't want you just shouting a lot of instructions across a room, but I sometimes when we teach, we'll use the example of I'll sometimes bring an adult man up on stage and I'll say, okay, I want you to pretend like you are my four-year-old son and we're going to have a conversation about dirty clothes and I want everybody in the audience to pay attention to our conversation and take note of anything you might notice. And I will put my hand on this guy's shoulder and I will begin with his name. So I'll just say, hey, Henry, dirty clothes go in this basket. And I'll be pointing as I'm pointing to the dirty clothes and then the basket. And then I'll say, say it back to me. Have him say it back to me. And then I'll have him demonstrate putting some dirty clothes in a basket. And as I'm doing this, I want folks to be able to see some, and I want you to be able to hear some of what I mean by a full sensory approach, that my hand was on his shoulder. The first word I said was his name. I'm pointing. I'm appealing to all of his senses. And I think anytime we can do that with boys, it's a win. I think the mistake we make in those moments is asking a lot of questions. And moms in particular, I'm going to pick on you. I think you are maybe the most vulnerable to this. You heard Sissy say as early as 16 to 18 months, girls have 100 words, boys only have 30. And so you've got a lot of words, you've got a lot of language, and you often have a lot of questions. So you would execute that circumstance differently by saying, now, sweetheart, where do dirty clothes go when we take those off? Do dirty clothes go on your bedroom floor? Do we leave wet towels in the corner of the bathroom? Haven't we talked about how those <laughs> okay, are going to you? It's such a trap. It's such I a trap. Know. It's so easy to do. And Sissy, what do you think, as you hear me talk about the stage one boy's brain, what do you think all those words, all that verbiage sound like to the boy brain? Wah, 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 wah. Yes, Charlie I think we, yes, I think we sound so much like Charlie Brown's teacher to him over and over and over. And so rather than continuing to repeat that pattern of Charlie Brown's teacher, I want us to think about this full sensory approach as a better way. And hear me say very clearly, here's my last thought on this. I, I don't at all want to act like he only has one thing to do. I know boys have a lot of things to do, but I just want us to break it down because if I were to fast forward this example into the next stage, you know, I think boys pull into driveways every single day, cars, SUVs, vans, and they hear parents say things like this. Okay, listen up. We got a lot to do. I do not want those muddy cleats inside my house. So I want you to take those out back. I want you to head inside, hang your backpack up. I want you to go ahead and take your shower first tonight instead of second, because we've got that big science project to work on. So take a shower. Meet me at the dinner table. We're going to have dinner, and then we're going to get to work on that science project. And then you go looking for him, only to find that he is building Legos in the hallway or laying in the floor <laughs> with a dog. And you're thinking, what are you doing? And he hears this exasperated, frustrated voice. He's not followed through with much of anything or anything that we've asked of him. And that frustration we experience in those moments, that frustration that he absorbs in those moments I think that's on us because we didn't remind ourselves of these basic things Sissy and I are talking about that are so foundational to development that are the very ways God hardwired these little people that we love so much and that he is a singularly focused creature. And so Sissy's going to talk in a minute about girls have this remarkable ability to multitask. You as women have 
instincts and strengths in that space that we often don't as males. So we need to break it down and we're going to say, Hey buddy, go drop your muddy cleats out back and find me. And then when he does praise him, great job. Okay. Go hang up your backpack and then find me. And so we're breaking it down into manageable tasks to honor and acknowledge the unique way that God hardwired him. We are so glad to have you back in the office, Sissy Goff, after your big trip. I'm so glad to be back. And do you know what made all the difference, not only to me, but to my entire family on the cruise? What? My relief band. I had no idea how much cruises rock and roll. I don't know why, but I didn't. I didn't anticipate. And I took my relief band and it made all the difference. And I literally was passing it around the dinner table and we'd take 15 minute turns with it because it was so fabulous. I'm telling you, you need your relief band this summer at the lake, on the cruise. What would you have done without it in all the places? Right? I'm very conscious of what I put in my body. So I love that I don't need to take any pills for relief band to work. Relief band is natural, fast acting, and will last as long as you need it. It's 100% drug free, non drowsy, and has zero side effects. Y'all, when it comes to nausea, you have to get Relief Band, the number one anti-nausea wristband that quickly relieves and effectively prevents nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Plus, Relief Band both treats and prevents nausea, so you can help avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. Relief Band makes a great gift for the nausea sufferer in your life. Hello, me. Can you say even maybe it could be a good stocking stuffer? You did not just talk about Christmas shopping. (laughs) I am not ready for that. Remember, you don't have to overplan for nausea relief or dose up six hours before a trip. Just bring your Relief Band and you are good to go. Plus, right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Raising Boys and Girls listeners. Go to ReliefBand.com and use promo code RBG, and you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code RBG for 20% off plus free shipping. Sissy, Would you say the problems we see in our offices with kids sometimes have a lot to do with their nutrition? Oh, definitely. Because brain and physical development is so connected to the foods we eat. But it can be so hard to get kids to eat good foods. That's why we love telling parents about Hyatt Kids Vitamins. They were formulated with the help of nutritional experts and include a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and 15 essential vitamins and minerals. Parents love Haya because the vitamins help them give their kids the best nutrition. But you know what else kids need besides good nutrition, David? What's that? Fun. And Haya gets that. With each new order, Haya sends a super cute jar and stickers to decorate it. You know Henry loves his Haya jar. He has one at home and at my house. That is super fun. What a great way to get kids excited about taking their vitamins. We've got a special deal from Haya just for our listeners. Receive 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. (music) 
Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Talk a little bit about stage one girls. What do they need? Well, a lot of the same things. And and I don't know that we have said this again. We probably can't say enough. There's going to be some crossover and that is really normal. And so the same ideas that you're hearing about boys and girls, we can apply for each other because they're all really important. And, And obviously we're only selecting enough to be palatable in a podcast episode. So we're only given the the high, high highlights and a couple of things we would select with each. But but I think thinking about right now in this day and time, what I believe girls need the most at this stage, two things. One is bravery. And we know girls, anxiety now is impacting one in three kids with girls twice as likely as boys. And as you and I've talked about a lot, David, that boys are taken in to get help more. And we're going to talk more about worrying anxiety in stage two, because really it's plaguing girls at every age. But the average age of onset is usually somewhere between six and eight. But we see signs as young as three and four and five. And so we want to be aware of this and that we want to be on it now in terms of how we respond to her. And it's fascinating to me that I believe we have never been living in a time that we talk more about empowering girls. And I see it trickling down to them as little in their own personal life where Mm. they don't believe they're capable. And so we want to start reminding her now 
that she is brave. Not that she has to be brave, but that she is brave, that it's just woven into the fabric of who that little girl is in the discovery years. So I think thinking about development and all these stages she's going to go through, she's going to have a lot of knocks to her self-esteem. And the more, the braver she feels, the more capable she feels, the more she's going to be able to come up against those knocks intact and more confident. And I love Psalm 144.12 in the ESV that says, may our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. And, you know, when I first heard that verse, my first thought was corner pillars are beautiful. They're so ornate. You think on a palace, you're drawn to them in so many ways. And the other thing about corner pillars is that they are so strong. They are holding up so much. And and I believe girls in this day and time, again, are required to hold up more than they have ever been before. I believe women are required to hold up more than they've ever held up before. Those of you who are listening, ladies, right now, whatever your day's looking like, you are holding up so much. Yes. You're holding up so much. You're doing so many things and loving people in the midst of it, guiding these little people in your life with so much kindness and love and hope and all the things that God has placed inside of you, the bravery he's placed inside of you that's trickling over to them. And so we want to start reminding her as little as we possibly can that she's capable of that, that she is a future corner pillar because she is strong and ready and capable. And so when we see bravery in her, that we're saying, wow, you had so much courage when you blank or that was such a brave thing to do. Now, let me say, as I'm talking about this, I can see where the mother was sitting in my office when she said to me about her daughter who was dealing with anxiety. And I was saying the same idea. She said, I hear all that. Everybody says all that all the time. And I feel like I'm just going to be putting more pressure on her. Hmm. And my immediate thought was, No, because it's not because you're telling her something she has to rise to, but you're reminding her of what's already within her, of what God already placed inside of her. And so we want to be calling out that bravery and you all, we want to be giving her opportunities to step into it. And, and we talk about this a lot, but, but we would want not just parents of girls, but parents of boys. We want you to answer two questions. One, What are two things you're doing for your kids right now that they can do for themselves? And what are two things you're doing for them that they can almost do for themselves? Because we've been talking here lately about anxious parents, that we're seeing more anxious parents than ever before. And you all heard it. If you listen to that series and if you haven't, please go back and listen. Yes. There is an episode where we talk about the five things we see anxious parents do the most. One of them is micromanage. And so we are seeing parents of every age kids step in and rescue, step in and prevent them from doing not even just the hard things, certainly that, but the stretching things, the growing things. And so we want you not only to call out bravery in her, but give her opportunities not to prove it to you, but to prove it to herself because she needs to experience what that looks like. David talks about boys being experiential learners. So is she. So one, bravery. Two, she needs delight. And I mean, that goes so much back to the Kathleen story. And I think so much of who Kathleen still is 
and why I believe she has the best boutique in Nashville and people want to come see her is because she exudes this sense of delight. She delights in other people because I think she was delighted in so much when she was a little girl. That's why I said she's still a sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) I know she is. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. It sounds simple, but I really believe girls who are delighted in feel more delightful. And we talked about that there are going to be a lot of knocks against her confidence, against her self-esteem over the years. And I would venture as far as to say more than ever before. I feel like girls are meaner earlier than they've ever been and more often. And so she's going to encounter it on a playground somewhere, sitting at the lunch table or not sitting at the lunch table next to anyone. She's going to come up against this of people who are knocking, pulling on her confidence and who she is. And so we want to get in those reminders today, not just of how brave she is, but how delightful she is too, that we want to be speaking into the truth of who she is. And if we were in the room together, I would want to show you all a clip right now from that amazing movie, The Help. And you all, you remember this where A.B. is sitting with the little girl and she's rocking her and holding her and, and using a full sensory approach like David talks about. But but instead she's touching her on the face and she's being so engaging with her. And she says, you is smart. You is kind. You is important. That's the verbiage in that she's speaking to the confidence, the sense of who that little girl is in a really concrete way, just like David talked about, that's that's appealing to all of her senses, but is also instilling who God's made that little girl to be. And and I believe it's so much of why that little girl feels more connected to Abby in the help than her mom even. And and I love if you were to back up in that scene, just even when Abby walks in the room, she's already delighting in the little girl. She's got her arms out, smiling so big. We engage with kids in this stage. The way we do speaks to them about who they are. And so we want to be really aware. And Again, circling back to the idea of anxiety, talking about parents being more anxious than ever before. And and David, we've been talking a lot about how anxiety can take away our warmth. They need yes. your warmth. They need you to delight in them. And if you have been to a park anytime recently and you've heard a little girl saying, mommy, watch or daddy, look at me from the top of a slide. She's saying, I don't want you just to look at me. I want you to think I'm fabulous. And when we hear that, Before we hear that, we need to put down our phones. We need to look at her. We need to smile at her and say, oh, honey, yes, you are. That she sees that reflected in our faces. She hears it reflected in the warmth of our voices, in the words that we say, all of those things. And David, you have heard me tell this story a million times, but I will never forget being at a dinner party with a group of friends and telling stories about when we were growing up and One of the women there told this story, and I think we would both say she is probably one of the most confident women we know in a really beautiful way. And she said that night when I was growing up, every time I walked down the stairs of my home, it didn't matter if I was in sweats or I was in a dress. Every time I walked downstairs when my dad was there, he would stop and whistle the theme song to Miss America. I 
loved that picture then. And I still love that picture today because what her dad was doing is saying, when you come in the room, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pay attention to you. And I'm going to remind you something in a really silly way about the beauty of who I believe God's made you to be with just a silly little whistle. And we can think, oh, this means I need to spend three hours a day of individual time. I need to say 20 positive phrases over my child every day. We can layer in all these things that it feels like we're supposed to do to delight in them and to instill confidence in them. But just the way we talk with them, just the way we look at them, just the way we say their name, that it's not out of frustration every time we say it, but it's out of a place of delight. And and we have to say today, we have to acknowledge that also means it's hard to delight in your child when you're, you've got your phone in your hand all the time. We've got to yes. put down our phones. We've got to engage. We've got to pay attention and we've got to connect because it's going to speak to them of the truth of who they are and who God's made them to be. So mm. that's enough of a delight soapbox, but I feel so strongly about that with girls. And I think more than I ever have when we started teaching these classes, how many years ago, David, probably 20 years ago. Oh, over 20 years ago. Yes. Yes. I feel stronger about it than ever. So, okay, let's get to some takeaways. What's a takeaway for you, for boys? You know, I think one takeaway for me would be, as you are listening to last weekend this week, and and if you're parenting stage one kids and thinking, I want to go even deeper, I want to know more than a couple of things, I want to challenge you to do that, to lean in even farther. And Sissy Goff and Melissa Trevathan, our dear friend and boss, wrote an amazing girl an amazing book called Raising Girls that I would love for you to grab hold of. And they will go so much deeper. And they're even going to branch off, not just in terms of thinking about what girls need in each stage, but what do they need uniquely from their moms? What do they need uniquely from their dads? And I have a book called Wild Things, The That's Art of Nurturing Boys. And it's going to track through these different stages of development. And I'll do the same thing, just go even deeper. So we just want to invite you, if you feel stirred to want to look even deeper into what's going on and what they need. Those would be two great places to look. And in addition, at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com, we've got some downloadable PDFs with questions, discussion points, more things to think on, and even devotionals that pertain yes. to this stage in their lives. So yes. a lot of different places to do that. My takeaway for girls right now, yes, the thing I have been thinking about with girls actually in every stage, but I think we want to start thinking about it now is feeling your feelings is different than doing your work. Mm. And that's true for kids Good. and it's true for us. But as we're thinking about bravery, as we're thinking about teaching her to name her feelings, teaching him to name his feelings, which is so important, I think it's easy for us to get stuck in those feelings. And, and like we talked about in the last episode, Susan David says feelings are data, not directives. Feelings can lie to us, and especially the feelings of worry and anxiety trick us so much of the time. And so we want to help her, help him learn to name those emotions, to navigate them, as David also talks about in his amazing book, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. And we want to teach them to work through their feelings. We want them to learn the truth of what we talked about with Henry at Disney World this spring, a little bit scary, a whole lot of fun, a little bit scary, a I whole lot that. of fun. You can feel afraid and still do the thing that's in front of you. And, and in that acknowledging both, we're learning to say what our feelings are, but that our feelings don't define us. And I think if I could right now, 
overarchingly give a message to every girl. I don't know if you would say this about every boy, but if I could give a message to every girl on the planet, it would be your feelings are so important and they don't define you. Yes. Agreed. In a world that I feel like is in many ways sometimes convincing kids that your feelings do define you. Yes. That they're and they're a part of, of doing your work, but they're not yes. all your work or mine. Absolutely. They're part of it. That's great. Yeah. So much to think on. So much good coming up in stage two. I'm excited to talk Me about too. these little fellas. We're headed into great territory, aren't we? Yes, we are. But before we get there, Melissa is going to anchor us to some great truth. Thank you, David and Sissy. Yesterday, I was actually talking about truth with some moms. We were discussing the Gospel of Matthew and how Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah, uh, as the anointed one, as the high priest, and, and how he gives us a picture of the life and the teachings of Jesus. Tremper Longman, in his book, Reading the Bible with Heart and Mind, talks about that in the Gospels, and in Matthew particularly, we are learning how to follow in his steps and reflect his glory. Especially in Matthew 5 through 7, as you are aware of the Sermon on the Mount, how faith should shape our lives. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And what do we do? What do we not do? Well, this is a familiar question, especially from the parents of stage one. They actually ask the most questions. What do I do when? Is my child where he should be emotionally, physically, uh, on and on and on? What does that have to do with Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount? Well, read Matthew 5 through 7, and it really talks specifically about what to do and how to reflect Jesus in your parenting, in all of your relationships. Thank goodness Matthew also talks about what happens when we fail. And he talks about those failures, those uh, mistakes that we make, uh, how we are all inadequate and imperfect. He talks about them, especially through one disciple. As you know, his name is Peter. Peter's one who asks a lot of questions like you. And in our Bible study, we were talking a lot about uh, about Peter, and the one particular part in Matthew fourteen twenty two through thirty six. And again, I know it is uh, a teaching, uh, a story that Matthew tells that uh, you're familiar with. And it's after there's there's been a storm, and the disciples are out in the boat. Jesus has been uh, by himself praying, and he comes out on the water, walking on the water in the midst of the storm. And uh, and as you remember, all the disciples were so terrified and thought he was a ghost. Then Peter sees him. And he says, with a lot of courage and strength and impulsiveness, if it is you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter, he jumps out of the boat and he walks on the water toward Jesus. As moms, this particular group was talking about how they have this sense of wholeheartedness, where they want to be the best mom. They, they're thinking always about their kids and what they would be doing. And it's as if they have stepped out of the boat. 
by having a child, really. And they say, here I come. Here we go, Jesus. Tell us what to do. Tell me what to do. Again, back to Matthew. He says, be light, be salt, be pure in heart, be peacemaker, forgive, love your enemies, give to the needy, grow up, pray, don't worry, don't judge. I mean, on and on and on. He gives us this framework. He gives us this model, what it means to reflect Jesus uh, as a person and as a parent. David and Sissy, along with Matthew 5 and 7, talk about how important it is to be consistent as a parent, to be warm, to give them space, to delight in them, to be concise, to let them feel, but don't let them become their feelings. Oh, it goes on and on. And you as a parent are often saying, just tell me what to do. Matthew tells you. David and Sissy have told you. And wholeheartedly, you step out of the boat and say, here I come. This is the part that I think we will all identify with as a, as a follower of Jesus. Like Peter, you see what you're up against. Peter saw the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. So often as a parent, as you have stepped, jumped out of the boat, had a child, you start to feel some pressure. You look at other people, you compare, you feel some stress at work, you feel stressed financially, you're tired. And like Peter, you start to sink. You start to sink in your doubt and anxiety and discouragement because you even feel these things. You start to feel some pressure, feel fear. Our eyes so naturally are off the one who gave us the power to even walk by faith. We fail. Trimper says that Peter's lapses did not destroy his relationship with Jesus. I love that. I love that he takes us to Peter and how Peter was an imperfect disciple, just as you are imperfect parents. You have courage, or you wouldn't have a child. You are wholehearted, but you will also doubt. You have also failed. And when Peter began to sink, his prayer was, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. How many times have you said, Lord, help me, help me. I just don't know what to do. I want to be warm. I want to spend time, but I don't have any time. And I'm so frustrated and I'm so discouraged. And I can't get my husband or wife to be with our child the way I want him to be. Save me. Save me. Because I'm sinking in this discouragement. And with Peter, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And the most important thing that I'll say today is the more you experience the touch and the strength of the hand of Jesus, the more you experience his grace, because you are inadequate as a parent, you will be wholehearted. You will have strength. You will have courage. But you won't do it right. And the most important thing is that you pray, Lord, save me, and that you experience his hand 
the more you experience the touch of his hand, the strength of his hand, the grace that he gives you, the more like Jesus you and I will become. And your wholehearted commitment will not be an impulsiveness or here I come because I'm going to be a perfect, I'm going to be such a great parent. But it will be more out of, I need your help. Save me as a parent. Save my children. And may I be more like you, Jesus. Just as Trimper reminded us that Peter's lapses did not destroy his relationship with Jesus. Your failures, your discouragement, your fears, your doubts, your anxieties, whatever it is that you feel, whatever it is that you do, it will not destroy your relationship with Jesus or with your children. What it will do is deepen your faith, strengthen your relationship, and in your humility, your child will sense your closeness. Your child will sense your compassion. Your child will experience the grace that you've experienced. Don't hide your failures. Be aware of discouragement and how you might shut down and move away. God has chosen you to be the parent of your child. Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 